Good morning, everyone. Uh, today, I want to share a story with you. It's a long ago story with modern implications, and I start with this confession. I am one of those people that when I read the Bible, I tend to see people as one-dimensional. For example, Mary, the mother of Jesus. I'm familiar with the pictures of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and she always looks as though she never changed a diaper, washed a dirty dish, laid awake at night worrying about her kids, never had a marital disagreement with Joseph. She always looks so prim, proper, and serene. But life wasn't like that for Mary, nor was it like that for other biblical characters. They were, for the most part, much like us, different contexts, different time, but same kinds of challenges, same kinds of concerns and worries, same kinds of hopes and dreams. You're familiar with the Apostle Paul. He was a person that was at first, when he was called Saul, an enemy of this Christian sect of Judaism, they thought. He went everywhere he could, and he would round up those heretic Christians and bring them to justice until one day when he was on the road making that trip to arrest another group of those rebels, he encountered the risen Christ through a vision. To say it was life-changing, transformational, is an understatement. It totally turned him 180 degrees, a different direction. He came to believe deeply in the power of Christ, the reality of Christ, and his mission, his calling, was to go into all the world and to share that message. While others, like Peter and the other disciples, now called apostles, would be focusing and concentrating on the Jewish population, Paul's ministry expanded. He had a plan. He had a methodology. He would go into an area. He would find the Jewish population there, and there he would share the gospel. He would share his own experience, perhaps, of encountering the risen Christ and what had happened in his life, the hope that he had now that he was in relationship with Christ and trusted Christ as his Savior and his Lord, ordering his days. Now, the reason that Paul would go to a Jewish population is because he would have a commonality with them. They shared the same scriptures. He was a Jewish person, and he would interface with them, find those common ground places, and use it to interconnect the story of Jesus. What he found, however, was that ministry expanding. And lo and behold, he found that Gentiles, non-Jewish folks, that Jewish folks didn't much like, that Gentiles were themselves beginning to connect with this story. It was a glorious thing for Paul, and he embraced it with great enthusiasm and with great joy. Now, what you need to understand during this time is that Paul was challenged. People did not simply receive this and rejoice to receive it. Those who did underwent times of persecution and hardship. Families were divided. Economic deprivation set in because they sometimes lost their jobs. 
And yet Paul continued and taught people how to live in the midst of those adverse circumstances. Today, we're going to be talking about some churches in an area called Macedonia that Paul lifts up as the poster children for a changed life and the kind of full devotion that comes with that transformation. You see, Paul, in that missionary heart, wanted to go over into Asia and proclaim the gospel, but it seemed like every door was closed there. Every time he tried to make entry to this area or that area, it just wasn't feasible. And then one night, he had a dream, and in that vision, there was a man from Macedonia beckoning him, saying, come over and help us. I think one of the valuable lessons Paul learned in that, and we can gain from, is that sometimes when God is saying no to something we are trying, that we desire, there is a larger yes still in play that is yet to be revealed. Paul heard this invitation and he saw it as God's yes in the midst of God's other no's. He went into this northern region of Greece and there founded churches there at Philippi, at Berea, and at Thessalonica. Here's what he did. He would have followed his usual pattern, making connections with the Jewish community and broadening that to any Gentiles that would listen. And in those unlikely places, places of hardship because they were under Roman occupation, places of hardship because there had been an earthquake in the area sometime before that had wreaked economic havoc. In that inhospitable place, he found a receptivity to the gospel. People believed. Paul would present the gift of God in Jesus. This gift of salvation, this gift of hope, this gift of transformation, this gift of connecting with the Holy One in ways that blessed life, made life meaningful and significant in the midst of hardship and challenge, not only for a promise of the sweet by and by, but power for living in the present. As people began to embrace this gift of Jesus, Paul also proclaimed to them the gift of God, the church. This community of fellowship, this community of care, where people could grow and learn together, support each other, care for each other, and to help each other in times of need and want and lack. When, to, when they were sick, to pray for them, when life's closing moments came to be with them and to celebrate the fact that this life's ending was a new life's beginning. That was the gift Paul proclaimed to them. And in response, these Macedonians gave themselves to God. They wanted to be fully devoted followers. And the giving of themselves to God fully resulted in a miracle story that Paul wants to share with everyone, particularly the Corinthian church. And that's our passage of Scripture this morning. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during, a, for during a severe ordeal of affliction, 
their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, what were they doing? They were giving a generous offering for the sake of the saints in Jerusalem. You see, the folks in Jerusalem, that Jerusalem church, the mother church of Christianity, were themselves undergoing tremendous times of hardship and challenge. During this period of time, there had been many famines in the region of Palestine. So there were economic hardships throughout the land. But in addition, if you were a part of this rebel Jewish Christian sect, you were going to be persecuted. So they were on the edges of extreme poverty themselves. And Paul had put out the call for all of these churches that he had founded to be a part of easing the burden of the saints in Jerusalem. The Macedonian church. The Macedonian church, in the midst of their poverty, in the midst of their challenges, said, we want to help. Nobody would expect them to help. They had enough problems of their own. Their prayer might have rightly been, Oh Lord, bless me, my four and no more. But that wasn't their response. They were so filled with the joy of the gift of God to them, Jesus and the church. Perhaps they were mindful of the fact that the mother church was there in Jerusalem. And it was because of them, because of them, that the proclamation of the gospel was now being heard, not only to Jews that were dispersed, but also Gentiles that before would have been excluded from the covenant. So great was their joy, they begged Paul, it says, to be a part of this gracious and generous gift. What a blessing it must have been for Paul and his pastor's heart to see what the Spirit of Jesus was doing in the lives of these people stirring within them compassion and generosity. He wants then the Corinthian church to know this. Now, the Corinthian church is perhaps a bit more resourced than the church there that he is giving as an example. But he wants to remind this Corinthian church that they too can be a part of this. And he's not requiring it of them. But they have in the past already said they want to participate too. And he's saying, I want you to complete what you have said you wanted to do. And I want you to know what God's been doing there in these poverty-stricken churches. I want them to be examples to you of what God can do even in the midst of circumstances that the world would say, you have no business taking care of anybody else but yourself. But you see, what he's writing to the Corinthian church is what he's writing, I believe, to me and to the church of today across these many centuries. Because you see, we still live in times of uncertainty, economic unrest. There's political stuff going on across the planet. 
There is oppression that is occurring by military powers. And in times like these, we tend to get the circle the wagons mentality. We tend to close ourselves off, hunker down, just have a narrowed vision of what it takes for us to be okay. But Paul says, this is the very time when our hearts need to be expanding, where our generosity needs to be growing. And he lifts the Macedonian community as the example and model of that. Friends, that poses the question to me. And the question for me is, do I want to be that kind of fully devoted follower of Christ? Do I want to have an ever-expanding measure of compassion? Do I want generosity to be the hallmark of how I live my life and share my resources? And if I do, if I do, then how do I get to that place? There was a leadership guru some years ago that said, begin with the end in mind. If you want to be that kind of person, if you really want to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, what is that going to look like? And once you have that vision, you kind of work backward and say, now what is my plan to get from where I am now to where I want to be there? You see, without a plan, we tend to be spontaneous and sporadic, Some years ago, we had a Cocker Spaniel. She was an outside dog, and I got the wonderful idea of building her a doghouse, and I'm not very handy, but I thought I could do it. How hard could it be? I didn't have a plan, but I got some materials, and I had a saw, I had a hammer, I had nails, and and I went about the business of constructing it on the fly, and When I got it done, it wasn't symmetrical. It was kind of a trapezoid thing. It wasn't necessarily stable, and my dog had the good sense to not go in it. You see, a plan is important. We human beings are really good about good intentions, but we're not so good about bringing them to reality. Each year here at Wesley Memorial, we go into this season of reflection and renewal. As such, we ask ourselves the question, how are we doing in this Christian journey of discipleship? How are we moving toward full devotion? What is it God wants us to do? In what arenas of our spiritual life and our material life does God want us to take a step forward? We're in that season now, and as a part of that season, we're providing some materials for our folks, and I want to share them with all of you who are watching. It's called The Gift, and it's based on that passage about the Macedonian church. The gift was more than we had hoped. In this brochure, there are pages that will help people in their own time of reflection and renewal. It talks about the gift of God to us, Jesus Christ and the church. It talks about our gift that we give to God, that we we claim Jesus not only as the Savior for our eternity, but as the Lord of our life day in and day out. What does that look like in my living? What does that look like in my relationships? And the third step is to consider the gift that we give to one another and the world. 
How is it we will use those resources, our spiritual and material resources, to bless the world, further the mission of Christ, proclaim the gospel? Friends, as you look at this, you will have the resource to use in your daily prayer time. Now, how can you get this? If you want to call our church office, you can certainly do that. But you can also look at the web address that's going to come up on your screen. Type in that web address and you can access it online. As a part of this devotional period, uh, this devotional brochure, we also have serving, growing, and giving forms just to help you craft your plan. In this, you will see many ministries that are available, many ways to serve, not only in the church, but in the larger community. What we would love for you to do is to pray about the opportunities that you see here. You do not have to be a member of Wesley Memorial to participate. If you are in the High Point community, there are other options for you to serve. Many community organizations with whom we partner that have volunteer opportunities and opportunities for you to support them. And then secondly, we have a giving response form. Our folks will be reflecting on how God wants them to take a step forward in their giving so that these ministries might continue to be strong and advanced. You may want to participate as well, partnering with us in these ministries by your financial contribution. What you may want to do is to find one of those agencies that you see listed on the serving growing form and perhaps make them a part of your financial plan to support them in the life-giving, suffering-relieving ministries that they have. Now, friends, all of this is meant as a help. It is not to meant, meant to be judgmental in any way. If anything, it is meant solely to say, this is where I am. And if I want to go there, these are my beginning steps. An old proverb says, the longest journey begins with a single step. I encourage you to take a step this year. How is it God is calling you to move forward, to embrace more of what God has for you and wants to do through you so that your life becomes even more than you could hope? Would you pray with me? God, we give you thanks that you invite us to partner with you in the ministry of reconciliation and hope. We thank you that we get to do this. May our hearts be full of joy, compassion, and generosity in the best of times, in the worst of times, in all times, by the power of your grace.